Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. You guys want to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Believe it or not, this is our last week in our series, No Turning Back. Some of you might know that there are 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews. We are, in fact, in chapter 12 right now. So we're going to be doing a, uh, uh, sorry, my son waved to me, so I just can't not wave to him. Um, We're going to be doing Facebook Live on Monday morning church to finish our series, No Turning Back. And so there are so many great ways, um, so many great things in, in chapter 13 that we're going to be discussing. And so you're going to make sure you don't want to miss out on that Facebook Live. It's Monday mornings at 9.30. And so you can tune in and, uh, and you can see how this thing finishes off. Amen? So let's, uh, let's open in a word of prayer before we, we get into the word this morning. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. God, our prayer is that today the word just pierces our hearts, that it draws us unto you. Lord, that, that we don't um, put, put our opinion um, or our feelings ahead of what your word is speaking to us, but that we would humble ourselves and we would just receive what it is that you desire to speak this morning. And we just ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning I want to talk about walking in the fear of God. Walking in the fear of God. Not something that we talk about often, but something that we need to continually remind ourselves and and understand the importance of. And so we're going to start backwards. So pretty much everything that we're about to read leads us to the final verses of chapter 12. And that's where we're actually gonna start. We see in verse 28 and 29, it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. I looked at, at the word fear and awe. We're talking about walking in the fear of God. And I looked at the word fear and awe, and the word fear means caution, circumspection, discretion, or reverence toward God. The word awe means a sense of shame or honor, modesty, respect. The other day, I had the opportunity to go shooting and uh, we, went, we went out in the, the back campsite here, and we, uh, me and a friend of mine just went out and shooting. And, uh, and it had been a really, really long time since I had held a gun. And so one of the things that over and over and over again, he continued to say, relax, man, relax. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just like, it's been a while, right? There was, a, there was an overly cautious attitude in, in my heart because I didn't want to shoot my foot. Um, so... <laughs> There was a respect, there was a reverence because I knew what I had in my hand was of great power, right? It had the power to kill. It had the power to damage and hurt. It it had power in it. So therefore, because of that, I approached it with caution. How many are, you know, you guys go shooting, you, you enjoy shooting guns of any sort. Okay, we've got a few. 
Have you ever been around a person who doesn't have any caution when shooting? Yes, I, I do too. And if you guys are watching, I'm going to call you out online as well. But my older brother, my, co- my cousin Matt, my cousin Josh, uh, I remember one time I went out shooting with these guys and <laughs> I was so uncomfortable because they were so comfortable. And, and because their response to, to, it was just, they were comfortable with these guns. They were doing things that I would never do with a gun. They might not even know that I felt this way. And, you know, so they might be finding out for the first time. But I did. And that actually, for a while, I didn't touch them because of how nervous I was in that experience, right? To see a, a person respond with disrespect to the amount of power something can have talking about walking in the fear of God. So this morning, five things that we need to understand in order to to walk rightly in the fear of the Lord. The first is that we need to understand the worth of Christ's promises. One of the things that we're really going to explore and and, and understand by the end of today is the, the tension between who God is and fearing God and, and what Jesus Christ has done for us and, and, and the tension, the pull between those two things. And you'll see what I mean in, in a few moments. But understanding the worth of Christ's promises. Look at verse 16 as we start off this morning. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. To walk in the fear of God, we need to understand the worth of Christ's promises. So you might be asking the question, what was the birthright? Like, what did that actually entail? Because that's a question that I had. What is a, what is a birthright? You know, exactly what, what goes into having the birthright? So we're going to go through that for a second this morning. But having the birthright gave the firstborn, and it was awarded to the firstborn son of these families, they were awarded two things. A double portion of their, their father's inheritance and, and a special blessing from their father. And that blessing was kind of a passing of the torch to the father to son. And so part of the birthright, we'll, we'll look it down twofold, right? So the double blessing. The double blessing had to do the, to, uh, to this area, right? To the father's possessions, to his property, and to his authority. So that would mean that he would also have responsibility over his sisters that weren't married and over his younger brothers, He would also have the responsibility of caring for his mother if she did not pass before his his father passed. So we're talking about Esau. Esau, this would have been Esau's responsibility as the firstborn son of Isaac, that he would have been heir, he would have been receiving the birthright, the double portion of blessing, but also he would be receiving the special prayer, the blessing over him and in that blessing was something that I think was the most valuable piece of the birthright the birthright 
would give him direct access to God. Think about, think about the time that we're talking about. Abraham, Isaac, and, and we know it's Jacob. Obviously, Jacob was the brother of Esau. Here's the story. Esau came in from hunting one day, and he was hungry, right? He came in, and he said, you know, oh, I'm start Like, I, 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 give me that food. I'm going to die. Because Jacob had just been preparing this nice stew. Um, had it smelling nice and wonderful. And so he came in, and he's like, oh, give it to me. I'm, I'm going to die if I don't eat something. And he says, well, give me your birthright. And he's like, what? He said, like, just give me your birthright. I'll give, you, I'll give you this food. You can have it. And he says, oh, what is it to me? And he grabs the soup. And at that moment, there was a transaction that just took place that he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Now think about this. In the middle of this time, the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac, because they were the head of the family, they were granted direct access to God. You ever read through the, New, the Old Testament and you see how God spoke to Abraham, how God spoke to Isaac, these encounters that these people, as if they were talking with him face to face and you ever read it and go, man, I wish God would just talk to me that way. How many have ever read it that way? Because I know I have. But here Esau had the opportunity to communicate with God like that, to have that face to face communication with him. This was what he had access to, but Genesis says that Esau despised his birthright. Chapter 25, verse 34, that's exactly what it says, but Esau despised his birthright. That word means to view as worthless. And that seems harsh, right? That he viewed his birthright as worthless, but ultimately it's true. Why? Because he viewed it as if, as if it was worth less than a bowl of soup. To him, a bowl of soup had greater value. What's something that I see here? That sometimes temporary satisfaction has greater value to us than the working of God in our life. That sometimes we will chase after a momentary satisfaction and neglect the working of God and what he desires to do in our life. Esau had a, a, a fleeting pang of hunger and he, he surrendered his birthright for a single meal. I think about the church that we're talking about in Hebrews. Remember, they're facing hardship, suffering. They're persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They are being pressed and now they need to walk in faith and dependency. But what, is, what was the pressure resulting in? It was resulting in them to flee. This is hard. I don't like it. I'm going to turn away and run from it. Jesus is producing persecution. I don't want persecution. I'll go back to what I had before. That comfort was of greater value than sacrificing and suffering with Christ. Now let me, let me paint a picture to you that when we, when we turn and we choose comfort over the work of Christ, we are treating Christ's work as worthless. Not, not down here worthless, but it's just simply worthless than something else. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? When God is calling us, when he's calling you to repent, when he's calling you to turn from your sin and turn to him, it means that you are all in. This is not a 60% thing. This is not a 99.3% thing. This is 100% of all who you are. It's, It's the Lord's. You can't run after him just as savior. You need him to be Lord. Lordship is different. You can have someone rescue you from someone, but it, uh, something, but it doesn't mean that you're surrendered to them. He's not just saving you from hell. He owns it all. Your life is his. Think about some of the comforts that we're tempted to choose over the work of Christ in our life. I think about finances. Finances are something that pull on us. It's something that's so in our face, it's so tangible, and it draws our focus in, and we're tempted to place finances above the work of Christ in our life. To value it, to run after it, to pursue it with passion, vigor, fervor, we run after these things in a way that's greater than how we chase after the Lord. Maybe it's job status or relationships. Maybe it's food. I shared with first service, when, when we first started fasting with our, our young adults, I realized the first year I was totally addicted to food. I, it, and, and you don't realize I would eat just to eat. wasn't hungry, I would just eat. And when you seek after the Lord, he's gonna show you things in your life. He's gonna show you things about where you are in him and he's, gonna, he's drawing you this morning. This is, this is not a message, and I told first service the same thing, this is not a message that I intend, you know, this is not supposed to be a hammer. You know, we're, we're, you're getting whacked this morning, but to reflect upon the truth of who God is and what God has spoken and what God has done for us and to respond with the reverence and honor that he so deserves. Paul says this in Philippians 3, he says, verse eight, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. It's when we get to the point in our lives where we say, God, nothing else in my life is as valuable as you. Nothing else in my life is as valuable as what you did on the cross. Forgive me if I've forgotten. Forgive me if I've pursued things and valued them over your work on the cross. Because it's his work on the cross that is of greatest value. Knowing God. We have to understand the worth of Christ's promises because if we forget the value of his work, we're tempted to treat it as worth less than something else in our life. The second thing we have to do is understand the weight of Christ's sacrifice. Look at at verse 18. This This passage is a contrast between how God interacted with the people of Israel and how God interacted with us through, through Christ. 
because we have Christ and the difference between the two. So let's, let's read it together. It says this, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they, be, they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Imagine this picture. It's in Exodus 19. If you want to read it, you can read it. It is a terrifying, it is an awesome, fierce encounter with the Almighty God. And how many know that the God that we serve is still the same then as he is now and as he will be in the future? How many have asked the question, what's the difference then? How, how come God just seemed so much more fierce compared to to now. How many have asked that question? It doesn't feel like it's the same God. How many, we've, some of you, I've asked that question. You know, as I started reading the Bible, and I'm like, man, the Old Testament is super heavy. And it's like, New Testament, whoo, it's like a weight. A weight is, is off. And, and my question was always, God, how are you the same? But it comes when you begin to realize the work of Jesus Christ. When you begin to realize that God is full of justice and that justice must be satisfied and he has a wrath, he has a judgment that should be poured out on us, that we should take the brunt of that judgment from God. But he loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ became flesh. He put on flesh, he dwelt among us and he satisfied the wrath of God that the judgment that you and I should have God was put on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. That the pain and the hurt that was ours was put on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he that knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. If you have confessed your sin, if you have turned from your sin and you've repented, that word repent means a turnaround. If you were going in this direction towards the things of this world, towards the, the carnal fleshly desires, seeking your own will, and you say, God, I repent, it means I'm turning my back on the things that I used to do, and I'm looking ahead to you. I'm running after Jesus. I'm changing the way that my life lives. If you've confessed that before the Lord, you are the righteousness of God, that he sees his wrath is satisfied through Jesus Christ. But we forget. We forget that. It's so easy. It's so easy to forget the weight of that in our life. Things get busy. Things keep moving. And we forget the weight of his sacrifice. Now here's the contrast. We see the difference in verse 22. It says, no, you haven't come to that fiery mountain. You haven't come to the trumpet blast and the thunderous voice of God. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. It sounds like Luke 15, right? That, that all of heaven rejoices 
when one lost sinner comes to repentance in Jesus Christ. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself. Imagine that. You have now come to God himself. Hebrews 4, we read it before, Hebrews 4.16. Then now we can approach God boldly. We can approach him in boldness now because of the work of Jesus Christ. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the, spirits of righteousness, uh, the spirit of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out of vengeance like the blood of Abel. We have to understand the weight, the weight of Christ's sacrifice. You know, I think about how now, because of Jesus, what we have access to. It's, it's easy to get uh, promise focused. And I, I mean it this way. It's, it's easy to read the promises in the Bible Peace, joy, victory, strength. Those are there. Those are real. Those are available. It's easy to see those things and want those things and want Jesus because of those things. But you do not come to Jesus because you want peace or joy or strength or, or, or whatever. You, you come to Jesus because we have sin that cannot be forgiven unless we confess that sin to God, and we repent of that sin and confess Jesus as Lord. And we surrender our life over to him. It's only then that we can step into and become and be seen as the righteousness of God. That, that's a really important thing that we have to grasp because if, if we're not careful, we seek God after what he can do for us and the promises that he's given us. These are all in the Bible, by the way. And I love to preach those things. This is, this is the truth, though. Those things are readily available for us. But the fact is, you know, I, I heard it put this way. What if you got on a plane and you were told, wear this parachute? It'll make you comfortable. And all of a sudden, you put this parachute on, you're like, it's going to make my flight more comfortable. What? You put it on, you wear it, and all of a sudden, it's like, this thing's really heavy. There's some people laughing at me now because I'm wearing a parachute. And that makes me uncomfortable. And you just sink down low in your chair because this is uncomfortable to wear. It's uncomfortable. People are laughing at me. Think about that. And then think about maybe a different scenario where someone says, here, take this parachute. Midway through the flight, you're going to have to jump at 25,000 feet. All of a sudden, the discomfort is a reminder to you that it's okay. I'm jumping, baby. I'm leaving this plane. And in a few minutes, though, the door's going to swing open, and I'm heading out of here, so I don't care if it's a little uncomfortable. People start mocking, and what's your spirit now? Your spirit isn't like, oh, geez, they're not laughing at me. Hey, don't laugh. Hey, 
hey, in a minute or two, this plane's about to go down, and you need what I have. When we come to Jesus on the basis that we need to be saved from our sin, that there is a sin issue in our life and that we need to repent of that sin and to approach a holy God, it shows us that there's going to be a time that we're going to need salvation and that we need that salvation. Jesus doesn't just make you comfortable. Jesus saves your soul from hell. And we need to stand on the foundation of the word of God to say, I will stand on God's word that he has sacrificed himself for me. Are the blessings of God available to us? Yes, but that is a byproduct of repenting from your sin. It is always and will always be about holiness, righteousness. Why? Because he's a consuming fire. He's a God that is worthy of honor. He is a God worthy of our praise. He is a God worthy of anything that we can give to him because he's already done so much. Understanding the weight of his sacrifice. The third thing we have to recognize to walk in the fear of God is to understand the cost of disobedience. Verse 25 says this, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the, early, or the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. How many have ever sent a messenger for you? You know, whether it was a friend of yours and it was like, hey, could you, uh, could you just go tell somebody uh, blah, blah, blah? Have you ever done that? How many parents in the room have ever told one of their kids, hey, uh, you know, I, I t- this is how it went for me, right? So you hear like the scream from the other room, kid comes running out, and you're like, Judah, what happened? Okay, go tell your sister to not do that. And so, you know, he trots back, and then three seconds later, it's like, ah! and, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, my goodness, all right? So I, what, think about Moses. Think about Moses here. Moses is the older brother, right? Moses is this older brother who is sent to the people of Israel, and he speaks to the people of Israel on behalf of God. This is what the Lord says. Right? Just like Judah's like, hey, Emily, this is what daddy says. How well did that work for Moses? About as well as it works for Judah, right? <laughs> and, and so we have, this, we have this voice for God, Right? And, and so what happens now? Here, it's saying, if they didn't escape when they refused to listen to Moses, how much more so when we refuse to listen to Christ? Because what happens when, when the screech comes the second time? There is not a messenger being sent on behalf of the Father the father is going to go into the room and to step into their environment and to declare truth and to declare the consequences of their actions. But what did Jesus do? Jesus, he put on flesh. He stepped into our room and he declared the truth and he declared the consequences of our actions. 
And he declared that it is only through Jesus that we can approach God. There's only one way. People might seek different ways to God, but there is only one way to the Lord. And it is Jesus Christ. And he was not a voice for God. He was the voice of God. We have such a great truth to stand on. We forget the perspective that we have. To be able to have hindsight about Jesus Christ. I mean, Pastor spoke on it a few weeks ago when, uh, in chapter 11. These people were looking forward to the Messiah. We look back at the Messiah. We look back to salvation and the faith that they had to look ahead. There's a cost for our disobedience. So I'll just speak to those that have no relationship with Christ this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't, I don't know if you've been pursuing that peace in your life, if you've been pursuing strength or joy. You've not found it anywhere. I'm telling you, you, you will not find it anywhere else except for Christ. But I, I'll, get, I'll just say this morning, I know the Holy Spirit's pulling on hearts. I'll say this. You need Jesus because sin separates you from him. And you can't have a connection or relationship with God if you've not confessed your sin and repented of your sin and you've turned from your sin. It's the only way that, that the, the cross bridges the gap between us and God. And so if you haven't taken that step, hear the word of the Lord this morning. Hear what is being spoken. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, that he took the wrath that is yours. He took the wrath that was mine and he put it on his shoulders for you. Respond. He loves you so much. I, you know, I, have a, I had a person ask me one time, you know, if God is such a loving God, why does he send people to hell? Such a great question that people ask. And I say 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ on the cross was God's message. I love you. I've made a way for you to have relationship with me. God sends no one to hell. They walk past the work of Christ on the cross on the way there. You have to reject Christ in order to go there. I know this is really heavy. But this is the gospel. This is the gospel. We cannot approach him in anything of ourselves. We need Jesus. If you're a believer this morning, maybe you've surrendered your life to Christ there's areas of disobedience. There's things that you know God has spoken to you about and you need to obey. Respond this morning. Ask for forgiveness. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna do it. If I've, if I've learned anything in the time that I've been serving the Lord 
It's best not to get your mind wrapped up in, in the years and years to come, but just to listen to what God is saying today and to just say yes. It's the simplest way of living as a believer. The Bible says it all the time in many places. You're not promised tomorrow. So just be faithful with today. Be obedient today. So to walk in the fear of God, we have to understand the worth of Christ's promises. We have to understand the weight of his sacrifice. Understand the cost of disobedience. And understand our instability apart from Christ. Look at what it says in verse 26. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. And now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation, verse 27, will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. What are you building your life on today? What are you building your life on today? What holds greatest value to you in your life? When you think about some of the things that we've mentioned before, whether you know, it be financial, people, relationships in your life that you're putting all of your dependency in, going from one person to the next, just trying to find fulfillment, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's friendships, you're just looking to find somebody to fill a gap on the inside. Maybe it's, it is food. Something as small as that at times. It could be anything, but the, the point is, we would not want anything, job status, wealth, material possessions, anything that we could have, anything that, that could be a blessing from the Lord to become an idol in our life and to have a greater value to us than Christ himself. So what are you building your life on this morning? What are you building your life on? Because if it is...
Build your life upon me and live. Amen. Amen. If you're new to a Pentecostal church or these types of circles, that, that was a, a moving of the Holy Spirit. It's called tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's for the body of Christ. It's when, it's when God speaks through an individual in a spiritual language and someone has the gift to interpret what was said. Echoing what, what God is speaking through his very word. He desires for you to build your foundation upon him. There is strength when your feet are planted on a rock. But if you continue to seek after the things of this world for your satisfaction, if you continue to seek after things, and I'm not, just, just a little bit more than Christ. It could be the, just a little bit that you're gonna continue to see a struggle in that area. But it's when we fully surrender. You can't be half on the rock and half on the sand because the building's gonna fall. You have to be fully built upon the foundation of Christ. So I'd give this call in light of, of this. Let me just close with this. Your foundation begins when you understand the character of God, when you understand who He is. Let's go back to where we started. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. He's worthy this morning. Amen? He's worthy. And so today, if you do not have relationship with God, and you would say, today is the day that I want to make a decision, that I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to turn from my sin, I'm going to turn my back on behind me. And what happened before, the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has come. That's what God has for you. And if you want that, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin and found yourself on the rock. You can't be founded on the sand and the rock. You need to have the rock as your only foundation. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus this morning, I would just love for you to raise your hand boldly to say, God, I'm gonna make a decision now. I'm deciding today, I'm gonna follow Jesus. If that's you, anybody up top? Anybody at all? All right, amen. If you're a believer in Christ this morning and you're serving the Lord, but you'd, you'd admit there's areas in your life where you've forgotten to fear, to honor, to revere the Lord. That you have treated the things of God 
with a, a flippancy. And today you would say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for forgetting just how truly awesome you are. And that would be you this morning. And you'd say, God, just forgive me. Could you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. The last thing, the last thing that I would just encourage each and every person, if you'd like to just say, I want to make a commitment to the Lord to defend his name and to not be ashamed for speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you would just like a boldness in witnessing this morning. Could you just raise your hand? You would like a boldness in witnessing. Amen. Wow, so many hands. That's amazing. Boldness in witnessing. Let me tell you, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the worship team is going to continue to play. And I'm going to, I want to give you an opportunity. Come forward. Receive prayer. Because the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for our empowering to witness that you get filled with power on, on a high, a, a holy boldness to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And so that invitation is open as well. I just want to pray for each and every person at this time. And if you'd like to come forward, please do. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I know that this word is a piercing word to our hearts. It's a word that draws us to a deeper place of holiness. But God, you're pouring out your spirit in these last days. And you're looking for a church, a remnant filled with the Holy Spirit in power to declare the truth of the gospel whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable but father that we would never be ashamed to declare the good news of Jesus and Lord I pray Holy Spirit fill our church with power fill our church with vision Fill our church with strength to be bold in our witnessing. That we would be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would have a passion for the lost. A passion for people that are on their way to hell. Break our hearts, oh God. Father, may it grade our spirit. The thought of a person separated from your presence for all eternity. Help us, God. Help us, God. To honor your name. To revere who you are. To walk in a way that honors you and points people to you. Forgive us, God, if we've been flippant. Forgive us, Lord, if we've taken the things of God so lightly. 
You've called your church for a purpose. You've called your church for a mission to reach the lost. Forgive us if we've lost that. If we've become distracted. Lead us, lead us to a place where our heart is for you. That we could echo the words of Paul in Philippians 3. That we consider everything worthless when compared to knowing you. I thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that people leave here encouraged, not discouraged this morning, but they leave encouraged knowing they are the righteousness of God and that God desires to use, that you desire to use them. Help us to want everything that you desire and to lay down our desires. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I'll say this. There are people that you know that I don't. You're the pastor to them. You're the Jesus that they need to see. We've made it a priority at this church to love people to life. When you get a revelation of this, that a person can't be in the presence of God without forgiveness. There's no way that we don't go to the places that, that we work, to the places where we shop, to the places that we just visit or attend. We can't go there without declaring the gospel. There's something I've been praying for that God would help me to be more mindful of what he's doing in my day. That I wouldn't just have my schedule. Been trying to pray before anytime I go anywhere. God, I'm gonna go get milk. If you're up to something, let me see what you're up to. Because I don't wanna miss something that you're doing. Every person in here is an evangelist. God has given us a command to go and make disciples. So go. This week, go. Share God's love with someone. I want to encourage you, be faithful to the Lord in your giving. You've been so faithful, and we just want to thank you, honestly, for your faithfulness to the Lord. It's been amazing, and we've been continuing to be able to do ministry and to reach even more people because of the faithfulness of this church body and how it's influencing not only Manchester, but, I mean, Pastor just shared just all of New England. We're, we're, we're extending our reach. God is using us in, in the world. I mean, look at how many ministries that are supported, that are spread throughout the, the world. Thank you for your giving. 
So just be faithful to give to the Lord. You can give in the offering boxes on these two side doors right now because you can't go out those doors over there. So you're stuck. This one or that one. We're just going to pray over the offering. Uh, I, I shared this with first service. If you, if you like to text to give, all you have to do is just put the amount you want to give and you just text it to the number 84321. So 84321. And it, it gives you like a bunch of instructions, not a bunch, a couple of instructions. You get it set up and then you can just, at some point you're feeling generous. You're like $50, send, boom, done. You send it that number, you're done. So if that's an option, I know we have it. We don't talk, we don't share it in depth, I think enough. So if, you, if you'd like to take advantage of that, that's available to you. Man, God is so good. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, help us to continue to be obedient and faithful. Lord, finances is a part of that. God, that we would be obedient in what you've given us and that, Lord, that we would be faithful and obedient to give what you've asked of us, Lord. And so, God, as we given our tithes and our offerings to you, our missions, Lord, we just committed into your hand. And, Lord, we ask that souls will be saved, people would be reached with our faithfulness. So we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you glory because you're worthy. You're a consuming fire, worthy of our praise. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And his church said, Amen. Be blessed. Share the gospel with someone that you encounter this week. We love you.